This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Hello, welcome to 2023. I hope you are having a wonderful start to the new year. I am your host, Stephanie Mahachek. Thank you for being here and listening to this podcast. I have received a lot of really positive feedback and really positive support this past year with this podcast, and I appreciate it so much. I've had people share episodes. I've had people uh, ask questions about episodes, and that's exactly what this podcast is for, to open up the door to a deeper nutritional thought around various topics, and I am hoping that it is stirring some questions in you, and always feel free to reach out and email me or or send me a message on social media, and I'm happy to answer questions for you. So with the start of the new year, no, we are not talking about goal setting and new year, new you. We're not talking about that because there's so many more important things that I want to tackle this year when it comes to your nutrition and your health. And the first thing I want to start tackling in the new year is the concept of being on nutritional autopilot. Now, nutritional autopilot may be a new term for you. Maybe you can figure it out just based on the words that I'm using. It's being on this autopilot, in this autopilot state when it comes to your nutritional choices. I saw an article That said, the average person is on autopilot four hours per day and around a decade of their life. Does that sound just, I mean, I didn't sit and calculate out the math and figure that out. I'm I'm going off of what that article said, but that sounds really interesting. When you think about an entire decade of your life, you're on autopilot. Uh, Actually, another study that I saw from Psychology Today said humans are on autopilot nearly half the time. It was actually 46.9%. That means 46.9% we are mentally checked out, yet still functioning and completing tasks. Now, have you ever walked into a room and forgotten why you were there? I mean, I literally did that this morning. That's autopilot. Have you ever been driving and all of a sudden you're further along down the road and don't remember going through intersections or passing certain signs? That's autopilot. That's a scary autopilot, by the way. I play a fun game even with my husband that he doesn't know about until, well, if he listens to this episode, he will. But when I recognize that he's on autopilot while he's eating, like in the kitchen or something like that, I'll move the thing a few inches or or I'll put the food away and I'll watch his reaction. And it's like so much fun for me. Sometimes I call him out on it and sometimes I just do it for myself for fun. Um, but that's being on autopilot. So why are we on autopilot? You know, I ask questions like this all the time. Why is that true? Why is that true? Especially for everybody. Like this, it's not just one or two people. Everybody, every human is on autopilot. Some more than others, of course, but we all are on autopilot at some some times. And so being curious, I started kind of asking that question and doing a little further digging. And some of the research that I saw thinks it's our ingrained way to conserve energy, brain energy, 
in order to use, you know, less energy and thought and brain power on resources that are, you know, smaller tasks so that we can conserve our energy for larger, more important tasks. And I thought that was kind of interesting. It has much to do with our instinctive need to avoid pain and gain pleasure, which I've talked about before. That's kind of like the baseline of every thought and habit and uh, action that we do is we're either going towards pleasure or we're avoiding pain. So staying in your comfort zone or taking that familiar path is safe. It's safe for our brains. The brain doesn't have to spend excess energy thinking and worrying and coming up with a plan on how to survive something that's unfamiliar because it knows it. It knows what to expect. Similar to that driving scenario, if you take the exact same road to the store or to work or to school to drop off your kids, if you take that exact same path daily for weeks or years, your brain knows that road. It knows the stop signs. It knows what to expect. You're more likely to drive it on autopilot. Now, what happens when a deer runs out or a car pulls out in front of you? All of a sudden, that fight or flight response snaps you out of that autopilot and you react. Now your brain has to use energy to save and preserve itself. So I'm going to keep this episode kind of kind of small because, or, or shorter because, um, you know, this isn't, I'm, I'm trying to stay in my lane. I find brain things and psychology very fascinating, but I'm going to stay in my lane and focus back on the nutrition part. So where am I going with all of this? If we are on autopilot over half the time making decisions without truly focusing on them, what does that mean when it comes to your nutrition? Eating is something we must do right? There's no disputing that. We must eat. We eat daily, multiple times per day even. But how often have you made a choice on what to eat or how much to eat or where to eat based on habit? Which, if you think about habit, it's another form of autopilot. Many of us are in routines with food. We may have the same breakfast every day or the same snacks or the same drinks. And yes, you could say, well, I like those foods, or it's easy to make. But that's the same as your brain keeping you safe and not having to think about what you're going to have or how your body will respond to it. You know, I see this a lot with people with um, different uh, digestive issues. They're kind of feeling stuck, and I hate that word stuck, but they're kind of feeling that way because they don't know how their body's going to respond to certain foods. So they do stick to the same, you know, five or seven or 10 bland foods as a way to keep them safe. It's the same thing as your brain keeping you safe and being on autopilot is just in a different form. Now, is this a good thing or a bad thing or both? When you look at your health from a holistic perspective, meaning incorporating all factors of health like sleep and stress and nutrition and physical activity and spirituality and community, all areas need to meld and kind of move together for there to be a complete and whole picture of health or a complete and whole person. If you are low on sleep, how does that impact the other areas? If you aren't moving your body, how does that impact the other areas? If you're highly stressed out and your stress is out of balance, how does that impact the other areas? If you are on autopilot with your nutrition and making unsupportive, nutritionally poor food choices repeatedly, 
How does that impact other areas or the overall picture of your health? Now, one of the biggest things I see when I'm working with my groups or with individuals is the role that sugar plays in people's lives. I've done a lot of talking about sugar and the impact that it has on our bodies and what symptoms are related to an imbalance of sugar and what too much sugar has been doing to our kids' health, which is a passion of mine. Uh, Being on autopilot when it comes to sugar is arguably one of the most common issues I see with nutrition. This is evident when people actually intentionally, for the first time maybe, look at a food label specifically for how many sources of sugar or sweeteners are in a food that they've been having for years, and they're shocked. We've, I've done this with many people when I'm like, how much sugar is in that? And they say, I don't know. And I have them go and intentionally look at the label and they're like, wow, there's 17 grams in one of these things. They don't look for it because they're on autopilot when it comes to it. They're just simply making the food choice based on habit, convenience, repetition, whatever. They aren't intentionally looking at the food. It's also the case if you feel you've, you have to have something sweet after each meal and you find yourself searching the pantry without even remembering walking in there in the first place. You can call it a habit. You can call it an addiction. You can also call it a version of autopilot. And honestly, I think it's all three of those things and they all kind of flow and mesh together. It's autopilot. It's a little bit of a physical and psychological and emotional addiction. And it's, it's a habit. So I've mentioned this multiple times that there are studies out there that show that our palates for sweets are being manipulated with each new form of artificial sweetener that comes out on the market on the daily, almost our palates are being manipulated. The intensity bar for sweetness has been raised. There's no questioning that. They actually gauge sweetness, the sweetness scale, if you will, using table sugar as that baseline that everything else is measured from. And these new sweeteners, new and sometimes in some of the not so new ones that have been, maybe some of the ones that have been out for like five, 10 years, but they're constantly coming out with new forms of sweeteners. The new sweeteners and all sweeteners are up to 20,000 times sweeter than table sugar. So think about that. Take, think about taking a spoonful of sugar, you know, Mary Poppins style. How sweet would that be? And now everything else coming out is even sweeter than that, up to 20,000 times sweeter. So this intensifies the cravings we naturally have. And it makes it so that even normal sugar doesn't taste sweet enough anymore. Have you, have you noticed that? When you have something that maybe you haven't had in a while, maybe you have, you know, mom's or grandma's home-baked cookies that she just uses regular table sugar for, you're like, this doesn't taste that sweet. Something tastes off with this. Is that because your palate has been manipulated with artificial sweeteners or other forms of sweeteners that sweetness has changed for you? So as I mentioned in the last few episodes, I want to break that autopilot connection with sugar. I'm very curious about this, very interested in learning more about this. I want to see how long it will take to rewire our palates. I want to see if the studies are correct and that some say it will only take two weeks to reset your palate. And reducing your cravings for sugar is even shorter than that, sometimes as as little as six days. So 
I want to definitely stress that this is not a guilt-shame scenario. It is not. There is no guilt factor in my mind that anyone should feel when it comes to sugar. Because hopefully as, as I've described some of these studies and I've talked a lot about the psychology and the physical, the physiology around sugar and what it does, hopefully you can see that it's not a moral downfall or it's not a moral flaw that you crave sugar after, after meals. It is by design. It is by food manufacturer design that we have this addiction. I, I personally call it an addiction because I've seen the brain scans. I've seen the different research on the addiction part of brain. Some people dispute that. I don't. I think it truly is an addiction, but it's an addiction by design and it's a legal addiction because sugar is, is legal. I won't go out too much off on the tangent. It gets very political, but anyways... I don't believe that anyone should feel guilty about the fact that they crave sugar or sugary drinks or sugary foods. But what I want you to realize and what I want you to take wholeheartedly. So if you are on autopilot right now, come back to me. If you're multitasking, come back and listen to this. What I want for you is that you make intentional food choices that align with what your body and what your health goals are. So if you have been recently diagnosed with something, if you have a family history of inflammatory conditions like dementia or depression or um, high blood pressure, diabetes, any of those types of things, how are your current food choices, current food autopilot habits, how are those impacting that disease or that potential for a disease? And what, if anything, are you wanting to do about it? So this is why I want to put this to the test. This is why I have an experimental nature by heart. And I saw these research and these studies and and all of these articles. And I'm like, I want to see for myself because I don't know if I believe it. 14 days to change your palate. That sounds unbelievable. So I put together the 14-day sugar experiment. Now, this is not a official study. It's not a clinical trial. It's super basic and it's super laid back. But I want to be able to capture what you can notice in that time frame. Aside from even those things like your palate uh, being reset and your sugar cravings lowering or lessening or possibly even going away altogether, what I want from this and what my intention with putting this together is I want to see what you notice within your body, your mind, your energy level, your digestion, your skin, any of that is all traced back to sugar. Any any symptom can be traced back to sugar or sugar imbalance or sugar excess. And I want to see what you notice in just that two week timeframe of reducing sugar. So that is my intention with that. This experiment, you know, I have to put a start and a stop to it because it's 14 days and we're doing this all together. This experiment starts Sunday, the 8th of January. So if you're listening to this and the 8th has passed, no worries. You can probably, I'll probably run it again, honestly, depending on how, what we notice and what we see. Um, So you can just, you know, join the email list or join the, uh, there might be a wait list, head over to foodfactornutrition.com and and see what pops up. Um, But if you want to join it, if you're listening to this in real time and you want to join this experiment and you're interested and you're curious and you want to see what possibly you'll notice in 14 days. It's 14 days, whatever. The time is going to pass anyways. You might as well have the potential to improve your health in some way. 
So you can join that. I'll put the link in the show notes. You can also see it blasted all over my social media from now until Sunday. So you can join it within the experiments. I have it set up where we are on, uh, we're in a private portal and I did this. I didn't want to do this on Facebook. I didn't want to do this on social media in any way because I want people to truly feel like if they are noticing symptoms or if they are noticing things, I want them to feel safe and comfortable asking questions about it. And I didn't feel like that you can really capture that on social media. So we are in a private portal. When you sign up for the challenge or the challenge, the experiment, you will be invited into this portal. You'll have a username and password. It's part of an app. So you have it on your phone or your devices. So it's super easy. And you'll see a big old welcome page and you will uh, be invited to take the pre-experiment survey. So this is a survey that's going to capture everything you're feeling right now. Any, Any symptoms that maybe you don't even realize, any cravings, any habits that you have any conditions, any anything that you are experiencing right now, it's gonna capture all that. At the end of the experiment, you will take the post-experiment survey, and this will hopefully be able to show you some of the changes and some of the differences that you notice. So within the experiment too, I'm providing you with some recipe ideas, and, and the, the whole idea is this is your experiment. So I've had some people ask, do I have to completely give up sugar altogether? No, you don't. If you are one that has heavily been consuming sugar for a while, it might be too much of a shock to your system to go completely cold turkey, honestly. Um, So I'm leaving that up to each individual person. Personally, I will be doing this experiment as well because what better way to experiment and find answers than doing it on yourself. So I will be doing this as well and I am limiting it to a small amount of sugar for myself. Uh, meaning, you know, I might limit it to just like a couple of grams a day. I'm not really going to go into it, but but finding the bigger sources of sugar within your diet or my own diet is the goal. So I'm changing up my protein powder that all have artificial sweeteners in it. I'm, I'm finding the lower... Uh, sugar versions of different things that I have regularly. Um, But the whole idea is that you're going to be incorporating more whole foods into your diet because when you're having whole foods that don't have a label, you don't have sugar added to it. So it's going to make it a lot easier. You don't have to eat the meals that and the recipes that I um, put in that in the group, you don't have to eat those, but that just gives you ideas on what you can eat. And again, if you're on autopilot, and you're like, I don't want to think about it. Just tell me what to eat. You could do it that way. But the goal is for you to consciously make the choices of what foods don't have sugar in it or what foods have very minimal added sugar. And we're talking added sugar. So yes, you can eat fruit. Yes, you can have, you know, vegetables that are a little bit sweeter. Yes, all of that. It's added sugar and artificial sweeteners. That is the goal here. So I provide you with those. You have access to the group, which everyone going through it, if you choose to be social and you want to, you know, tell everybody, hey, my headaches are gone, or you want to tell everybody, oh, I really have a strong craving right now, you can. If you want to remain silent and not communicate with anybody, totally up to you. Doesn't matter. It's not going to be one of those things like you have to participate and talk to people if you don't want to, but it's available should you want to. So that is the gist of the 14-day sugar experiment that starts on Sunday. If you would like to join it, click on that link and get yourself in there and enrolled now so that you have time to do some of the grocery shopping and set up your environment to clean out the pantry and get really focused on this prior to Sunday when it starts. 
So if you have questions on that, um, there is also a discount if you sign up a spouse or partner that lives within your household. Uh, you can email me or, or message me for that and I can give you the discount and give you all the information on that. It's a $10 dif discount uh, if you sign up a partner that lives within your household with you. So if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful and focused rest of the week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Food Factor Podcast. It is my personal mission to help people make the best food choices that they can for their particular situation. So if you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend or a family member or somebody who needs to hear this information and also leave me a review. Those are the things that help get this podcast seen and heard by more people who could use the help as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening.